about the order, ordinariness of suffering. It's also ordinary. It's not woo-woo out there, you know. Uh, um, I've done a lot of practices, and, and jhanas, for example, I've done a lot of deep absorption practices which are thought of as these woo-woo states of cool, awesome absorption. Uh, and now it's, it's, you know, it's all about daily life in this moment. How am I in this moment? Am I free? Am I caught? Um, especially in, um, I sat two retreats over the past month, <clears throat> and um, one at IRC Inside Retreat Center down in Santa Cruz with uh, Gil Fransdell and, and Andrew Fella. And, and the focus of the retreat actually was freedom in daily life. And I also sat uh, recently um, uh, up the hill um, with Venerable Bhikkhu Analio, Analio, his name is pronounced, um, retreat on Satipatthana Sutta. And for those who may not know him, well, actually, how many people have heard his name? Just out of curiosity. Oh, just a couple of people. Okay, so I'll tell you all about it, a little bit about him. Um, he is a um, German monk. He's a um, very well-respected scholar, and um, he's a deep practitioner. But, um, he teaches at the university. He's, he writes more articles faster than, than I can read them. Uh, he's very prolific. Um, and he's written two very influential books recently on the Satipatthana Sutta, uh, The Four Foundations of Mindfulness, which is a really foundational uh, teaching, especially in Theravada, and just really, really beautiful teachings. Um, and the Satipatthana is known as the direct path to realization. And as I have been sitting these retreats, again, as I've been practicing the mindfulness of breath, mindfulness of body, contemplation of death, uh, which, which are all part of the four foundations of mindfulness, um, uh, contemplating mind states, etc., I keep asking my, uh, the question, is there more freedom? How can there be more freedom in my daily life in this moment? So hold this thought for a moment, hold this theme for a moment. And I want to tell you about another experience that I recently had that really relates to this strongly. So a little louder, yes. <clears throat> Sean. Okay. In the meanwhile, I will try to speak a little is this is this better if I try to project a little more? And if I go if I go down more, then just give me like a thumbs up, I'll know you. Okay, great. Was that? The louder the better. The louder the better. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I'll try to project more. And if it gets too loud for anyone, also let me know. It's, it's like it's a balance, right? So if, if you go like, oh, cool, I'll know it's too loud. Okay. Anyway, so, so um, last Friday, today's Monday, so three days ago, um, I was part of a group. Um, visiting San Quentin prison. And it was part of a um, chaplaincy training program that uh, Gail Fransdell um, runs. It's a year-long year or two-year two program, and I was invited as a guest, since Gail is one of my mentors, to join the group of chaplaincy students who were going to uh, visit San Quentin. Um, and... Um, we were joining um, Jacques Verdun, um, who has uh, been doing work in the prisons for 18 years, uh, for a long, long time. And um, he has various programs. Jacques, Jacques is, a, is a very impress, impressive, impressive guy, and he's been working in the prisons for a long time. Um, he has a program called Insight Out, and if you're curious about anything I'm about to say, I'll give you the link. It's insight, insight-out.org. It's a lot of information about the program he does. But what's, what's particularly interesting is the idea of freedom, and the idea of freedom in daily life was particularly intensified visiting prison, visiting men who are in prison. And everybody we met that day 
was serving a life sentence. So sat in a room with, with men who, were, who had served for 10, 20, or 30 years in prison. Um, we had the privilege, really, to spend time with them. Um, and I'll tell you more why. But just to give you a sense of the structure, um, in the morning there was a um, uh, meditation, mindfulness meditation group um, where the prisoners um, met. And Jacques uh, was leading them through it. And um, many prisoners who had been meeting and practicing for a long time, some of them um, for for years. And in the afternoon, we joined another um, group, um, 28 men, who are part of um, a year-long program, which is called uh, Guiding Rage into Power Grip. It's the program that, that Jacques runs. And apparently, it's so popular in the prison that prisoners wait two to three years to get into this program, because it's such a limited program. Um, so, San Quentin, um, I had never been in a prison before, and I didn't know what to expect. Um, the images of high walls, barbed wire, razor blades everywhere, um, very heavy, very heavy feeling of lack of freedom in the outside sense, lack of freedom of choice, where, where you can go, what choices you can make, whom you can see, what you can do with your time, what you can eat, what you can do. Very limited choice. And yet, the people that I met that day on Friday, I, I was blown away. Some of the men said that they woke up at 4.30 a.m. to have 45 minutes to sit before their breakfast in the morning. Um, And so many of them said that, said how important their practice, their sitting practice, their mindfulness practice was in their life. I'll get to that part in a moment. I want to say a little more about the afternoon. I'm jumping back and forth, I know, but I'm building up to a point. Bear with me. The The group in the afternoon, um, there were 28 men, and um, the group had a name. So each group, each year-long group, they came up with a name based on how many years they've been um, serving total together, how many years the men had served compared to how many, um, how much time they had spent in the moment of imminent danger. So the moment of imminent danger, as Jacques defines it, Jacques defines it, id, id, it's the moment between anger and violence or craving and using, and you have to id that moment before it's over. So the men shared with us that together they had spent 69 minutes of imminent danger all put together. And together they were serving 641 years they had served in prison up to that point. 641 years versus 69 minutes. There were 23 lives lost for the amongst so 23 murders committed with the group of men that we were sitting with. 21 involved inebriation of some kind, alcohol or drugs. So it felt pretty heavy. In terms of in terms of um, 
repercussions of those moments. And for many of us, we have those moments, those moments we regret in our lives. The cost may not be so much, so high, but we have those moments of regrets. We all have these moments of imminent danger when a loved one upsets us and we feel our blood boil and we open our mouth and we say something really hurtful or we do something hurtful. We all have those. We're all human beings. It's just that in this case, it seemed seemed for these group of human beings, the stakes were much higher. The actions were in, in a way that the stakes were much higher, but we're still, we're all human beings. We all have the same mind, the same anger, rage, difficulty, difficult mind states, actions, regret. What really impressed me about the men, I have to say, is the level of maturity and level of insight, level of, of thoughtfulness that I did not expect, the level of, of taking responsibility for their actions and sense of transparency, and the work, the deep, deep Dharma work that they had done is really, really surprising um, to me. Um, I feel like they taught me more than I could ever teach them. There was one man in particular who said that growing up he had... Um, really low self-worth as a child and as an adult. And he used to believe what his parents told him. I tried to take notes. Feelings of shame and worthlessness. And then he had been practicing for a long time, and it it showed, his practice showed in his his way of being, the way he was sitting, the comments he was making in, in the conversation. And he said... Sitting on his bed the other day, he noticed he was feeling really happy, and he asked himself, why am I so happy? He's just happy. And he said, as a result of my practice, I'm happier now than I've ever been, than I ever was outside with all the things I had. That blew me away. It was this sense of freedom. The man was... I mean, not, not to underestimate the difficulties, the lack of choice. I mean, prison life is no cakewalk. And, and yet the level of peace that this man had moved me so much that there is, so, there is such possibility in this practice, so much possibility in this practice to have freedom in your heart and mind no matter where you are no matter what the circumstances. As he was talking about that, how happy he was and how much happier he was than he ever was, another prisoner raised his hand and said, I I attest to that, I attest to that. He sits in the prison yard and he sits like this and he's practicing. Imagine sitting in the prison yard with your eyes closed and practicing. Now that's a level of trust and peace at ease. I remember thanking them for the privilege of, of welcoming us. And they were so welcoming. They really made us all, all, all us 12 visitors, feel so welcome um, and safe. Felt so safe in, in, in these rooms. Um, and really, I, I remember thanking them for the privilege of, of sitting with them and them sh- sharing their practice with us. And it was interesting that a couple of them said that, you know, you come in, you guys come in with so much compassion and you see us as good people, you see us as worthy, you see us as, as worthy humans, and that means so much to us. 
it's interesting, as we were talking that day and, and they were commenting, there was a piece that they were reading and each read a paragraph and commented on. And this quote by Kabir was a part of it. As the river gives itself into the ocean, what flows inside me flows inside you. I read it again. As the river gives itself into the ocean, what flows inside me flows inside you. Somehow inside the prison of San Quentin, sitting with these life sentencers, the idea of common humanity, that I, I, that I, I wasn't so different from they were, and they weren't any different from me. It hit home even more. There was such a sense of common humanity. We're all human beings. What flows inside me flows inside you. May it be breath, may it be blood, may it be thoughts, memories. What flows through me flows through you. So it seemed the idea of freedom in daily life was more poignant on Friday. Just everything seemed more intense on Friday in St. Quentin. And as we sit here together and we contemplate and think, I want to invite you to to allow yourself to be particularly present to the immediacy of the present moment experience as you're sitting here right now in this room. About freedom right here, right now. Just an ordinary feeling of ease in the mind, regardless of the circumstances. Not something woo-woo, far out there, nibbana, whatever that is. Just simple freedom in the moment. The ordinariness of freedom, ordinariness of being with how things are, just as they are. It's so ordinary. The ordinariness of suffering, the ordinariness of ease, just feeling intimate with it right now. The ordinariness of feeling alive. It is so ordinary, and yet it is extraordinary. Just the simple experience of being alive and being right here, right now, being alive in this moment, in this room. Isn't it amazing to be alive, to be able to see, to be able to feel, hear, touch, sense, think, to have thoughts. It is extraordinary to have life, to have agency, to be in this world, whatever the circumstances It's the idea of suchness. It's the grace that touches everything. 
within and without is the feeling of grace that's every single person sitting in this room and suchness, grace of everything that's inside all these thoughts, emotions, feelings this sense of aliveness Gil Fransdell, my mentor, said something beautiful, which I like to quote. He said, what is most sacred in Buddhism is right here in you. What is most sacred in Buddhism is right here in you. It's not something out there to look for and search for. It's right here in you. It's just to recognize it. It's right here. It's, it's the ordinary, and yet it's the sublime. <coughs> One practice that I've been doing and I've taken on is asking myself, how can there be more freedom in this moment? How can there be more freedom in this moment. Actually, let's practice with that for a moment. I invite you to open to close your eyes for a moment. Just sit. <coughs> I'll lead you through a brief contemplation, starting with just as you're sitting right here, right now. How can there be more freedom in this moment? Just drop this question in the core of your being and see what comes up. Maybe nothing comes up. Perfectly fine. Just see what comes up. How can there be more freedom in this moment? Now I invite you to bring to mind something that has been quote-unquote a problem. Not a huge one, not the biggest problem in your life, but maybe the second or third tier. Something that's been, you know, kind of source of dukkha, suffering. I invite you to bring that in to your mind. Just think about it for a moment whatever the issue is. Okay, this is something that the mind has declared as a problem. Okay, now ask yourself, what is the expectation? What is the hidden assumption about how things should be otherwise, but how things need to be. That unseen expectation or assumption that has made this, this situation, this thing into a problem. What is that? Is there an expectation? It's an assumption that things need to be different. What is that? Allow yourself to feel into that assumption, that expectation.
for a moment, just for a moment, as a part of this exploration. Let's relax that assumption. You, you can take it back on in five minutes, but just for right now, what if, what if that assumption, that expectation was just relaxed? Things didn't need to be any different than they are. Things are exactly as they're supposed to be, given all the causes and conditions. Just for a moment, play it on, try it on for size. What does that feel like? Just being a scientist of the mind, whatever comes up is okay. If it's resistance, that's okay too. Just play around. Okay, take a deep breath, let that go, and then ask yourself again, how can there be more freedom in this moment? How can there be more freedom in this moment? So I invite you to open your eyes now and come back to the room. So, as many of you already know, in my style of relating the teachings and in my own practice, I've learned that hearing is just a part of it. Actually, trying it on for size and feeling it, and then taking the step of vocalizing and talking with another human being and being held witness is really a huge part of practice. So I invite you, you don't have to, but I invite you to, if you like, to turn to one or two people around you and talk about what came up for you as you asked the question, how can there be more freedom in this moment? Maybe nothing came up, that's fine. And also, when you went through the exercise, if you like to share, bringing up something that is a problem, and then looked for what is the expectation that makes it into a problem, and for a moment just played around with relaxing that, what came up for you? Can that be a tool you can use? Is that something that just does not work for you? Is that, does that give you some insight into how your mind works? Yeah? Does that sound like something you would like to talk about? Yes? Yes, maybe? No? If you don't want to, you don't have to. But it can be really powerful. So if you want to just sit and, and meditate, it's all good. But, in the, but I just have to tell you that many practitioners in the past, when they have just sort of walked, worked through that resistance and done the, the, the practice of, of speaking and being held witness, um, I've had many people say, I'm so glad I stuck through it. I, I stuck with it and, 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 and went and got through that resistance. Uh, because when there is resistance, I think it's a big sign. It's a huge sign that there's something there. There's something about your psyche. Your psyche is like, no, I don't want to go there. It's scary. But that's exactly part of this practice. That's why you're here. Okay, please, turn, or, turn to some, one or two people next to you. And you don't have to.
Raise your hand if you need more time. Okay. We'll wrap up in one more minute. Please thank your partners if you haven't already. Great. Great. And thanks to uh, those of you who decided to work through that barrier. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? Good? Yeah. Yeah, you sound surprised. That was good. Yeah, good. That was great. I like the look of surprise. Like, that was good. <laughs> Didn't I tell you? <laughs> Any other reactions? Yeah? Yeah, actually, let's use the microphone. George, would you be so kind as to... Oh. Thank you so much. There was a hand over there. Yeah, you can can both talk about how that was and what came up. Still seems to be off. Thank you very much. Well, there are people who are using. Um, Let's see if we can work with it, press it. Yeah. Oh, there, I think it's, it's just turned on. Yes, success. All right, great. Rock and roll? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're on. <laughs> it was interesting talking about things that, you know, you don't really want to talk about to your friends because they get really tired of hearing them if you talk about them, you know? Yeah. You know, these the socially icky parts, you know? And yeah. It's kind of good when you're supposed to and then it's over with. Yeah. Okay, rock on. <laughs> it's kind of interesting what you said. Uh, what I hear is the com- common humanity of that. It's the common humanity. Because I think whenever we feel like, oh, it's just me, it's just my mind that has these things and these, you know, socially icky things. And then when you talk about it and the other person says, hears it and says, oh, yeah, me too. It neutralizes it, and we don't feel so alone in our icky stuff. It's all us. What flows through you flows through me. Thank you. What else came up? How can there be more freedom in this moment? What if you relax the assumptions of how things need to be different? Come on, there was a lot of talking in the room. (laughs) There's a hand here. It was interesting to notice I, as I was sitting here and not coming up with anything for the first few minutes of the sit that there's, there's an attachment to finding that freedom too. I was like, I realized I was like almost going cross-eyed, like looking for how much, like I need to find something, I need to find something. And it was, it was like, you know, oh, there's an, there's an attachment to that too. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting in, in what you say also here when you found that, that attachment, that, that pulling forward, and when you saw that, just seeing that could release it. Like, ah, 
Actually, the moment is fine. There is freedom in this moment. I don't have to have any more freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could hear then what you were saying. Well, our little threesome here came up with the right word, which was self-assignments. Every moment of our lives, we give ourselves an assignment. Don't fall asleep during meditation. That's an assignment. Um, eat mindfully. That's an assignment. Uh, when you're doing your craft as a writer or a singer or whatever you are, you have to come up to the next bar. So, so when you said freedom, to me it was no more assignments. And when I hear you say that, I feel, I hear no more shoulds. No more shoulds. Should do this, should not do that, should. There's that harshness, should, should not, should not. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Mm. Hand over here. Hi, I um, was sitting next to these two gentlemen and and I was sharing, um, because I asked myself, how do I imprison myself? And uh, Great question. It's my mind, for sure. (laughs) And the three major ways is through fear, shoulds, and uh, shoulds and expectations, and uh, judgment. And so if one of those three things are operating, I'm immediately imprisoned because I have limitation. With fear, I can't move and, and be free to do whatever action it is I would like to do. Uh, and the should and expectation, like you mentioned, it's like that, that just I, doesn't allow me just to be in the moment and be how I need to be. And um, when I thought of an example, um, I moved here nine months ago from San Francisco, and I literally live ten minutes from here, and it's taken me nine months to come here. And I've been meditating since 1992. (laughs) But I was afraid. I was afraid to come here. And for just... But it was my mind. It was my mind. And... Uh, once I came here, now I'm here all the time, but um, it really is a way to imprison myself if I allow my fears to run my life or drive my car. And thank you for the courage it took to say that. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot yeah. of courage to to talk about how much fear there is. Yeah, but once I shared it, then I didn't feel so fearful and I feel free. Yeah. So it's yeah. just accepting, you know. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you for the freedom not to talk because mm. you gave that, and I took advantage of that. I wanted to sit with the thought of how do we allow in our society some people to judge 28 people for 69 minutes of their time and give them 600 years of time in a prison? And, and I, I don't know the answer, but it seems that that's, there's something wrong with the whole structure of time versus uh, mistakes. Yeah. And sitting with that, I, I find that there's a reason why we have no freedom. Yeah. We allow so many to judge so few so harshly. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. As I was preparing the talk for tonight, there were so many thoughts regarding that. There, there's just, I've been reading, ever since the visit, I've been reading more and reflecting more. Um, Really, how a society treats is its poor, its its imprisoned, etc. It's really reflection. 
on the society. It's really a reflection on us. And the wave has not been in rehabilitation, in compassion, in, in trying to help, but to punish and punish very, very harshly, 69 minutes, 641 years. It, it boggles the mind. There's something seriously wrong, and it doesn't have to be like this. Just as a pointer, if, if you and, and others are more interested in reading about this, there was a recent article this past week in the New York Times about um, Norway, how they have completely changed their uh, prison system. And it's not based on punishment. It, 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 it can be different. And let us start dreaming and acting for this country to, to do differently also. It can, it can change. Norway, apparently, decades ago was like the U.S., and they decided to do things differently. Um, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, hi, Nikki. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, several years ago, there were four gentlemen on this stage. I'd like to share this with you. They were all middle-aged, you know, late 40s or 50s, four guys. And uh, they had all murdered someone. And they had done anywhere from 20 to 25 years in San Quentin. They were here on probationary status. Uh, and I think it's the same gentleman who runs that program, perhaps mm-hmm. was here at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what's the big deal? The extraordinary thing about these four guys was that in their act of contrition, which was not just a throwaway, I'm sorry, the kind you might, a politician makes or somebody on TV, this contrition was not something that lasted an hour. It was something that took time with them, and it was very, very real. In it, they, they knew that they could not even ask for forgiveness from the people, the families of the deceased, they weren't, they did not have the hubris to even do that. They had gone down to their knees and they had asked for the only kind of forgiveness you could get, which was the mercy, the out and out mercy on their lives, so that somewhere in the mix they might be able to forgive themselves or live with it. Uh, in prison, I think. You know, it's not that I've been in prison, but certainly I've known people in prison. Everybody's innocent. Oh, I, I didn't do that, or it's not my fault, or it's not, you know, everybody gets... But to be able to say, fuck, I was wrong. I blew it. I did it. It was me. I am wrong. And begin there. It was a bad and horrible thing to do. Please, please, please forgive me, someone. And it is why we have Christ as our symbol. It is why we have merciful heavens. It's why we have saints. Uh, There is a place to go. I I was so struck with these four guys because they were so humble. Mm -hmm. All the hubris, all the prisoner arrogance was gone. And, you know, they they understood that there would be people that would hate them. Yeah. Yeah. and judge them, and they were fine with it because there was nothing they could do. Thank but you for sharing that. And, and Yeah, I think it is a really crucial thing if we are talking about incarcerated and how one gets through it. Mm-hmm. It's an important thing to keep in mind, along with you know consciousness raising and a lot of other stuff. This particular moment, because it happened here, uh, yeah. had great depth. It was deeply seized, right. deeply felt, those boys, I have never forgot yeah, them. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're, you're very welcome. Um, and one thing to say, actually, and for those who are interested to check out Jacques Verdun's website, Insight-Out, the programs that he does, there are um, exactly as you talk about, what I witnessed and one reason why I was blown away 
um, by by the, the responsibility and the sense of um, knowing, get, getting in touch with the impact of those 69 minutes. Um, and sorry, it's 9.15, so we're going to cut it, cut it there. Um, um, it's, and also, just to add something, self-forgiveness often is, um, is much more difficult than asking for forgiveness from anyone else, but forgiving oneself. And again, it's not limited to people who are inca- incarcerated. It's, it's, it's us. I mean, how, how many of us have trouble forgiving ourselves for, for things we have done to ourselves or to loved ones? So it's not about them. I, everything I've, I've shared about those who are inca- incarcerated, it's, it's about us. And, and you brought it up beautifully. We put ourselves in prison also with our thoughts, with our actions, with our fears, with our assumptions, with our shoulds. We create prisons in our minds, in our lives. We can be living in a prison even though we are, quote-unquote, free people outside St. Quentin. So anyway, um, we're out of time. So thank you so much for your attention and for your practice tonight. May our practice together be a cause and condition for liberation and freedom, freedom of all beings including us. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.